It's weird. I have to also like look at my Discord when I'm talking to you because it makes me feel like I'm talking to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. I'm just like I like like look towards you. Like I'm like, hey. I do that. I notice I do that with Twitch too. Like I look at my chat when I'm talking. Like I'm talking to chat. I just have to. I don't know. It's it, it's not like look at the camera and talk because sometimes I'll look at the camera and talk, but it's like when I'm looking at chat, I feel like I'm talking to that chat. Does that make sense? Yep. Like I'm looking at your icon. I'm talking to your icon. You know, like through the interwebs of the universe, we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And here's to the beginning. Oh, <laughs> Why, Johnny Ringo? Okay. I know exactly what I'm doing, and I can change it at any time. I'm your huckleberry. Incoming the Rambling Podcast, with your hosts, Conway Titty and Stoney Robbins. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Ramblin' Podcast. I am your host, as always, uh, Conway Titty, joined <laughs> by I'm... my co-host. Stoney Robbins! I couldn't even do that. <laughs> I couldn't even do that seriously. Like, I could, even if you didn't and you put me on the spot like that, I couldn't even do that seriously. Couldn't even do that seriously. I was laughing too hard, because I don't know why, but that just made me laugh. It hit my, <laughs> it hit my funny bone the way you said that. We, we were like, I'm your host. And then you were like, with my co-host. And you said your name. And before I could, that just made me giggle. Oh, Gotta so keep you on your toes, audience. So, Gotta keep you on your toes. So fucking stupid. Anyways, I'm Conway Titty. I'm Stoney Robbins, as always. And we're here to bring you another fantastic episode of the Ramblin' Podcast. And we're back, back, back again. Uh, we try to schedule out the episodes to where sometimes you guys get a story about us. Sometimes you learn some stuff. Sometimes we ramble. And I like to make sure that it is in a steady order. So not all the time is the podcast only about shit that we want to talk about. As in like ourselves or stories. And we're not just rambling every episode about random shit sometimes i do like you guys to learn some stuff so i can teach you the things about about things and i do my fair share of research on the said topics so it is fun to kind of you know teach the audience teach myself teach stony over there it's nice and uh this episode and next episode are going to be just that. You guys are going to be learning today. Oh no, learning, no. Uh, this topic I think uh, a lot of us uh, consume. Um, if you don't, you're either Mormon or uh, a child, so you shouldn't be consuming this at all. Um, you're a nun. Uh, what else? Who, who doesn't consume this? Um... Priests? Well, maybe they do. Well, I oh, don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Anyways, a lot of people on the fucking planet use this stuff. This is a, a very uh, wide topic. <laughs> very wide. Um, lots can of. Can I, can, I, can I say it? Can I say it? Hang on, hang on. Lots of things. Um, 
on this uh, topic, and uh, we also uh, do some of this ourselves. Uh, Stoney, what are we going to be talking about this week and uh, next week? Porn! Porn, porn, porn! So loud, my dude. (laughs) It's a loud topic. Not only porn, but... Pornography. The proper term, pornography. So Pornography. Pornography. This will be a two-part um, breakdown. I didn't want to cram this into anything that's like three hours. We try to make it an hour, hour and 20 if we stretch it. Uh, now that we're moving along, we do like to make sure that things are flowing properly. So um, I did a lot of research for this topic, which how much research can you do on porn? I watched a lot of hours of it. Let me tell you what. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, I did a lot of actual uh, research with a lot of sources and took the time to kind of write out a script in a sense, um, kind of sort of kind of copied and pasted some things from sources so that we were getting actual, you know, it was actual fact some uh, things from articles, so that way, if you wanted to go read the full articles, you can. Uh, They're very easy to Google. So like I said, some of this is a little repetitive because it's said in the article, but we wanted to give you guys a little lesson from uh, what's on the interwebs and everything about the one of the most taboo topics uh, in the entire world, uh, pornography, which is absolutely fucking insane, even in 2023. It's banned in places, outlawed, not allowed, censored, crazy. You know what I mean? Like, there's just so many things about it, yet it can be shown, you know, in movies and uh, different ads. And it's used, and sex is such a common part of of humans and our history that it's just insane that, you know, we're in the modern century and it's still like shh don't talk about it don't talk about it you know what i mean yeah (laughs) yeah uh so uh before we get going so that way i don't have to kind of quote the sources every fucking time that uh we go along with kind of the script that i kind of gave us um i will be reading to you guys but also we will be talking in between, so I don't want you guys to be like, oh my god, this is boring. It is quite fascinating, um, and it's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to do it. But I wanted to give uh, some of the sources. So, first and foremost, uh, Oxford Dictionary gives us the basic definition of pornography. Uh, PBS Frontline has uh, a couple amazing articles that you can find on uh, their website about pornography and the outlaw nature of pornography that goes into more detail. Uh, the most and my favorite, personal favorite, uh, Medium Sexography, uh, The History of Pornography by Joe Duncan. Uh, a lot of this is um, from his article as well, and he has a big book on it. It goes into way more detail than we could even squeeze into our little three-hour segment of this episode. Um, but yeah, Medium Sexography, The History of Pornography uh, by Mr. Joe Duncan. Highly recommend going and reading that. Um, we got a live science sources as well. Uh, live science pornography, you can look that up. And then also Psychology Today's um, website also does, they have so many articles on pornography and the effects um, that it has in humans and all of that. But I wanted to make sure that you guys knew which sources uh, this was coming from. 
And we weren't just like, wow, Conway's so smart. She wrote all this herself. No. No. All credit to sources. <laughs> so, so some people, people aren't just like, oh, what the fuck? Like, oh, nice writing. Not me. Not me. Okay. So, Sonny, what do you what do you know about pornography? Uh, kind of a lot. Kind of a lot. Would you consider yourself an expert? No, or probably a novice? not. No, I don't. I don't know. Really, I would consider myself an expert in pornography. I am a uh, porn actress, so I would consider myself an expert in the field. Know quite a bit, a lot about it, wouldn't you say? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily call you a porn actress in that aspect. Yeah, wouldn't say that. But I mean, technically, tech on technical terms, yes. Uh, I wouldn't say star. No, I wouldn't either. Exactly. That's why I said actress. But I would call myself an expert because I, I would call myself a professional because I do get paid. And then it's a profession if you get paid. You could be a true. you could make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and people will pay you. Dude, sign you're me profession, up. You're a professional peanut butter and jelly sandwich maker. Peanut butter Stoney, jelly the long way. Stoney's PB and J Shack. I'm gonna make him a little a little house and you guys can get peanut butter and jellies made from Stoney. Oh, dude, it's going to be so much more than just peanut butter and jelly. No, only peanut butter and jellies. No, that's all you can Peanut serve. butter and jellies, but they're going to be gourmet peanut butter and jellies. They're going to be great. There you go. Like, some of them might have chips in them. Some of them might have a crazy type of peanut of, of nut butter or a crazy jelly and or jam. Someone who's allergic to nuts has to be spreading the nut butters. <laughs> You're just over there, like, oh yeah, it's great, guys. I can't. My throat's closing up. It's, it's totally good. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, you have 30 seconds to come up with your slogan for your peanut butter shack. Ready, go. Uh, Stoney's Nut Shack. <laughs> I said slogan, not name. Come on and try my nuts with some jam. Come on down and try my nuts. <laughs> try my nuts. Okay, anyways, back to our topic of uh, pornography. Porno, porns. Adult things. Um, this is not a family-friendly episode. Please kick your um, kids out. Don't let them listen to this episode because then they're going to ask, be asking you a bunch of questions that they don't need to know and also you don't want to answer. Um, also, if your grandma's around, depending on your type of grandma, might want to cover her ears for this one. Uh, but like I said, all sources are credited to who I said earlier. And we're going to get right into it. Stoney, are you ready? You guys got your nice peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and a glass of milk. Ready to go? No. No. You you get out of here. We don't drink milk. <laughs> I love milk. Milk. All right, guys. Dive into your PB&Js. Grab a blanket. Turn the volume up. Let's talk me. about fucking. <laughs> Let's talk about pornography. Part one. So according to Oxford Dictionary, pornography is defined as printed or visual material containing the explicit description or display of sexual organs or activity. It's intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic or emotional feelings. In a more general sense, the meaning of the tor torm? The torm? <laughs> the torm. The meaning of the term pornography. Porno Jesus fucking Christ. We are 10 seconds into this, and I'm already slipping. I cannot. I know no read. I know no read. Jesus. The meaning of the term pornographic constantly shifts along a vast continuum, moving between two equally slippery concepts, ha. erotic 
and the obscene. I know that was a quite a little fun pun in there. Slippery. An erotic representation is usually considered what is, you know, mainly socially acceptable. It's associated with the upper class sensibilities. Erotic eroticism. Eroticism. Oh my were my, my mouth my brain is working, but my mouth is just You're just not. speaking in marbles. <laughs> I know. So the erotics and erotica, etc., is primarily considered an aesthetic. And at the end of the scale are the obscene representations, which are considered to be not socially acceptable. In a legal sense, obscurity denotes criminality and its culture connotation is lower class vulgarity. Vulgarity. So, vulgarity. In the United States, obscene materials can be prosecuted because of its nastiness, its demeaning prudence, or its sheer inhumanness. By contrast, pornography is entirely legal. The sexual expression is free to arouse, but also only within limits. And those limits, which are set by the concepts of obscenity, right? Which eventually erodes over time, ergo modern day and age of pornography. The problem, of course, is not everyone uses the same measurements. Not all sex is porn, but all porn is sex. Hey, you! <laughs> Some Americans believe that sex is a necessary evil, sanctioned by only marriage for purposes of reproduction, and condemn all sexual representations under any circumstances. Basically, you know, no premarital sex. No fun fucking, is what no, she's saying. No uh, soaking, as the Mormons do. Nothing no fun like fucking. Y you know, like, yeah. For most people, pornography means peep shows strip tees, live sex acts, hardcore videos, hardcore adult porn, <laughs> adult cable programming, sexual aids and devices, explicit telephone and computer messages, adult magazines, and raunchy fiction. Ooh, which I feel like I do a lot of those. <laughs> I feel like everyone does a lot of that. Like, it's pretty common. I would say, uh, I, is there, there's still adult cable programs, aren't there? Yeah, there's a Playboy channel, there's a Hustler channel, there's, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, at the, at the, at the hotels, too. Like the well, yeah, you can order yeah. in-room in yeah. porn. In-room porn. It's been a hot while since I've done that. I don't think I've, like, a while. I've never done that. <laughs> You've never done it for fun? No. I, it's <clears> some why? weird... Why would you pay $37 for a 15-minute porno whenever the internet is at your Hey, fingertips? how dare you say that to my profession? Hey, I'm talking about I'm not getting, you know, the the I'm in a hotel surcharge. Yeah. <laughs> it's already bad enough I have to buy an $18 bottle of water in the lobby. True, true. Conservatives might add primetime television programming, soap operas, MTV, Rock music, romance novels, fashion magazines, and all R-rated movies. No, no. All has to be secular. No porn. However, only a few things seem clear. First, what seems pornographic to one person will not necessarily seem so to another. Second, pornography is not monolithic. Representation occurs in many media, and it adopts many forms and genres. Third, no group, 
gendered or otherwise, has a monopoly on sexual expression or representation. Fourth, our social, aesthetic, political, legal, and economic attitude towards pornography both affect and draw on complex responses to gender and sexual sexuality, which is very, very true. Fifth, pornography, an attempt to communication, conveys a host of messages, many of them contradictory. Some of those message, messages, in fact, are ancient. And when we're talking about ancient, we're talking about obviously fucking ancient and you guys are probably so confused like what the fuck does what why did you leave with like such a weird that's weird what do you mean by ancient uh well porn's been around for ever for ever since and people were drawn on caves porn has existed <laughs> for ever so now that you guys kind of got you know a little uh a little something something about what porn is, how it's available. We know what it is. If you don't, welcome to the channel. You're brand new. Catch up. Uh, we're going to dive into the prehistory and kind of to the 1800s of ancient erotica. Uh, which, when I was doing this research um, and reading these articles, uh, fucking insane. Like, love it. I love ancient porn. I love old porn i really i really think i love old porn more than i like porn now it's just it's something so fascinating about it <laughs> and uh i'll explain why so early pornography was limited to cave art artistic drawings decorative pottery and sculptures the first known erotic representation of humans might not even be porn well considered to what uh we think as traditional porn is the Venus of Wild Wildendorf, Wildendorf. Wildendorf is believed to be the beginning of pornography. It is 26,000 years old. I can't even wrap my head around that fucking number. This porn, this beautiful sculpture is 26,000 years old. And if you guys want to look it up, feel free to. Uh, I, we can't really show any pictures usually yeah. when do we your do, own do your own looking <laughs> up guys usually when we do like kind of research topics i usually kind of throw pictures in there of like whatever we're talking about <clears throat> but with this uh these episodes i i cannot so if you want to look up the venus of wildendorf it's so fucking wildendorf cool. i think i i think old uh, old porn is just so fascinating but yeah twenty six thousand years old it's a prehistoric sculpture of a rather voluptuous woman is the earliest surviving erotic depiction we have. So the earliest porn that we have, I'm sure por porn goes back to the beginning of human fucking history, right? It goes back to history. Cannot fault that at all. But it's the only thing that has survived all of the weather, wars, erosion, and 26,000 years old. That's fucking insane. Like, that's so insane that somebody made this sculpture of this thick lady. And it was like, yeah, here you go. Well, it's it's not a thick lady. If it's the if it's Venus, then they were trying to depict Venus. No, 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 because this isn't this isn't Greek. This is not mythology. This is before way before that. The Venus is an incredible piece of prehistoric porn, one that stands only four point four inches tall. 
This figure was likely used for fertility rites or fertility. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> fertility rites. I sound like Randy Marsh trying to fucking talk about porn. Jesus fertility, Christ. Fertility. Y'all can really hear how well my Oklahoma education is. Jesus fuck. <laughs> I can read right. I can read good. This figure was likely used for fertility rites or possibly as an erotic form of recreation for the people of the day. So not necessarily was Venus technically porn. She was kind of, you know, a fertility symbol. Um, it's thought that the fertility rites and perhaps even massive prehistoric orgies took place during sex festivals. Sex Around fest the time... Sex festivals. <laughs> sex festivals. Sex, sex festivals. Sex festivals. <laughs> Around the time when the Venus of Wildendorf and alike, pieces of art were made. So, technically, during sex festivals was when most of, like, erotic art was made. So, there could have been tons more that we don't know because it's 26,000 years ago, you know? These statues are theorized to have been used by prehistoric people amidst massive orgastic sex festivals as a way to celebrate their sexuality. So not only were we drawing cave paintings and making clay big old titty thighed women. Titty we were... thighed. <laughs> <laughs> titty thighed women. I got some thigh titties. You want to see my thigh titties? <laughs> so not only were we doing that, we were like having orgies at these festivals 26,000 years ago. We used to be a proper society. We used to be a proper society. Imagine being like, oh, hey, Jim, what are you going down to? Oh, yeah, I got, I'm going to the orgy festival uh, across town. You coming? Oh, yeah, I couldn't miss it for the world. See you there. You know what I mean? Except for I don't think it was like proper English because it was, what, 26,000 years ago? Uh, well, I mean, it, uh, it could be like we're talking who knows how long ago. Yeah, because... before, before the times of times we've been around. Fast forwarding kind of through history, the ancient Greeks and Romans, amongst many others, created public sculptures and frescoes depicting homosexuality, threesomes, fellatio, and cunnilingus. So not only were not only were we drawing the cave paintings and doing all the little sculptures, fast forward to a little bit more of a modern society at the time, in ancient Greek and the Roman times, we were really like Draw two guys and a girl. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, like, now, like, draw her, eat her out. Eat her out, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, we were now like... Now, let's draw a god fucking a horse to get some god. <laughs> we were horny as fuck. Humans have always been horny. We have never not been horny, okay? Always horny. And if people tell you they're not horny, they're fucking lying. Everyone gets horny. I like how I can hear your claps. <laughs> as <laughs> you're talking. Cheeks. Clapping them cheeks. Not only, you know, depicting uh, homosexuality, which is a amazing, beautiful thing. It's threesomes, fellatios, cuddling us, which is just some of the things that I said, right? So depicted by the Babylonians, they were like the free love and free sex proponents of the ancient world. So everyone's talking about Greeks and Romans. Now, the Babylonians were the ones that were getting down and no. dirty. For sure. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, so much that the Greek historian... Uh, Herodos. Herodos? Sony, please tag me in here. You pronounce, <laughs> you, you pronounce Greek things so much easier than I do. 
the Greek historian Herodotus. Thank you. Herodotus tells us of their sexually promiscuous, shameless, and uninhibited practice. This is what the Babylonians were doing. Having sex in public, on a roof of a structure, they would depict how men completely appreciated being peed on, and the sex markets, which were known all over at that point. So the, the, the Babylonians were giving the Greeks a basically run for their money. Uh, at this point in history, which I find fucking hilarious because everyone wants to talk about, you know, uh, ancient Greece and how many orgies that they had all the time and throughout history. Uh, but oh, Babylonians... sorry. It's not what I said. It's Herodotus. That's okay. Herodotus. Okay, anyways. So not only were they doing insane stuff, the Babylonians even shocked the sexual and lusty ancient Greeks. Like, they were making the Greeks' jaws drop, which I think is, like I said, it's fascinating. That's a little hard to do when the Greeks thought they were, like, the shit at that time, you know? So one fragment of the sculpture, or of a sculpture, it's about 4,000 years old. It depicts a woman bent but sliding backwards into the genital area of a man who's grabbing her by her hair and hips with his hands. While the piece of porn doesn't actually show penetration, scholars believe this is the first known depiction of anal sex, which is widely believed to have been one of the many forms of birth control at the time. The poop hole loophole. Yeah. I mean, hey, even the Babylonians and the ancient Greeks knew that somehow, even though they didn't know vaginal penetration could have a baby, they still figured out that anal sex didn't cause babies. Isn't that just fucking insane? That's absolutely insane to me. Like, it really is. The Babylonians revered sex and considered it a highly religious practice, something through which they attained a communication with their gods, not even stopping short of having temple prostitutions who had sex with various gods and goddesses of their religion. And they especially enjoyed annual sex festivals where almost nothing was off limits. Like bounce, I said, bounce, bounce. like I said, we used to be a proper society. Where's oh, the sex weird. festivals everywhere? <laughs> it's great. It's insane. Like that's that's to me that's that's insane. Not only were they putting it uh hand in hand with religious aspects, but they weren't afraid of it, you know? Like it was it was celebrated. It wasn't this thing of like no 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 no, you know? Yeah. People people were getting down and dirty. Oh yeah. The ancient Greeks were world famous for their ceramics creating these beautiful illustrations of everything, play, and sex. The ancient Greeks loved to show a little skin and trade their world-famous pots depicted full of how much they really loved sex. So during the trades, when especially when like olive oils became really popular um, around the world, they also, like, that's how a lot of the artwork kind of survived, was because they were also traded amongst other cultures and communities. And people liked it. People were like, oh, that's, haha. They could, you know, technically masturbate to it if they wanted to, you know? Just, just these pots. Imagine, like, you're staring at a pot that just has some boobies on it, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, ancient, ancient porn, guys. Here you go. <laughs> most of the art that survives to this day depicts the most racy, naughty scenes, complete with, but not limited to, group sex, homosexual sex, and wild positions. 
such as two demigods that are chiseled men holding another in the air during penetration. You can also find uh, that picture that I'm talking about. I can't post it, but it's pretty dope. Like two buff guys holding another another up, and they're like, hee hee hee, you know? Yeah, and that was painted on a pot. Like, it's fucking, it's, it like blows my mind. Like, talking about this really does blow my mind because it's like, wow, like, we've, pornography is, is not the naughty no nos that you think of today. Um, it was truly celebrated and people really did um, enjoy it. My favorite part here the Greeks spared no details. Some are so precise that you can see the women straddling men and even make out the nipples and pubic hair. The individual strands of the hair were painted on the heads of the figures. Muscles were shadowed and etched into the fleshy bodies of those depicted. That blows my mind, too, is not only were they big on their art, but, like, they were like, yeah, I got to make sure that this one has a bush. This one has small nipples. This one has big areolas. Like, you know, like, they still were very detailed with all of these naughty bits, you know? Yes. I, I find that... Like I said, this this whole topic to me is fascinating, and it always will be. But learning more about ancient porn is great, and it's about to get even better. So, once they got done with all of the, like, the Greeks and Romans are very known, like I said earlier, they're very known for their porn, which is insane, because it's like, like I said, it only got traded in with all their other goods and things around the world, so... Like I said, a lot of the art survived. There's probably tons of other porn that did not survive and was completely destroyed in centuries and centuries of humans existing and weather and wars and just everything. So along came the Middle Ages and boy, did it get spicier. Oh my God, it got so much spicier. Medieval fucking porn, guys. Spicy. So artwork wasn't the only way humans enjoyed their porn. Erotic literature became widely popular amongst the Shakespearean times. So in the Middle Ages, especially in Germany and Portugal, the church had a stranglehold on sex for a very, very, very long time. But monks, nuns, and other religious persons regularly consumed materials that were considered pornographic. So corresponding with the nearly unchallenged rule of the church in the Middle Ages of Europe, the porn became increasingly dark and even sadistic. The very popular French work of the 18th century written by Marquis de Sade is 120 days after Sodom, which was basically the like 50 shades of gray of the Middle Ages, which I couldn't even imagine what that is. Um, you guys can look up 120 days after Sodom. Uh, there's some more information with it that gets pretty fucking dark and insane um, based on kind of uh, the author's true uh, fetishes which, like I said, get really fucking insane, and it's not just stuff he made up, like he was ac actively participating about it, and you can read more about that. But um, it had a strong objectification, um, and even abuse of women was uh, rife, basically, through all of Marquis' work. And it would turn out that also BDSM would be a major hit in medieval times. Uh, who'd have thought? It's, yeah, pretty accurate. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, there's all the killing and torture going on. It's kind of commonplace. So, I mean, it's only it only makes sense that they'd be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like this all the time. The chains and the lock uh... me in an Iron Maiden, Daddy. Yeah, is that the arm that... thingy? No, the Iron Maiden is the like sarcophagus with spikes inside of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the what's the? Oh, I can't think of the name of the arm thing. Where you like? Oh my god! You put your hands in it and it goes over your shoulders and you like sit there. 
What the fuck are they called? Stockades. Yes, stockades. Thank you. The stockades. And then, get, and then getting whipped. You know, like yeah. Flog me in the yeah. flog me in the public square. Everyone's dying of fucking the bubonic plague. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, let's be fucking weird. Let's get weird. Yeah, the Iron Maiden for sure. I'm sure somebody in there was like, yes, please and thank Iron you. Iron Maiden kept in the Tower of London. <laughs> so, however, during these times, being identified as an author would be jail time or even death. So one would try to hide their identities as an alias or not even include their name at all. Um, a smut honest, deliverer. It seems like not much has changed even by uh, 2023 standards. Like a lot of, I know a lot of erotic uh, authors still have their like an alias that they use. Because it's like one, not only just protection fun, but it is like kind of a thing throughout history that like I said, people would be jailed or death or executed because of their name, like actual name being written with these like insane things. But it kind of goes with the, like you said, with the history. And some people, you know, have aliases in the porn world too, as well, where they're not using their real names. It's protection thing. It's even just like, maybe they just don't want to use the real name. Like it's, I don't know, but it's kind of nice that even back in medieval, medieval times, they were like, no, 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 no. Keep everything anonymous. You know what I mean? Yep. Anon anonymous. Anon anonymous. Amongst the books and arts, the first actual publicized pornography wasn't invented until 1524 in Rome. When Marcintanoni Ranaminati, I'm going to butcher all of these Italian names because I do not have Martiano. Okay, feel free. Riman, Riam, Remandi. Something like that. I'm too white trash to pronounce a lot of Italian names. Anyways, Mark Antonio. Mark here. Mark Ramadani. Just kidding. Mark here uh, was the first uh, actual publicized pornography, right? He published 16 sexually explicit engravings by Guillermo Romano, also will butcher names, which was collectively titled Guilio. Guilio. Yeah, it is Guilio. Guilio Romano. So. This Mark guy, this Mark Antony guy. Uh, Not Mark Antony. <laughs> this Mark guy published 16 sexually explicit uh, pictures. Um, and for the most part, only the wealthy and educated were able to purchase and enjoy these printed pornography works. Like, only rich. Rich and famous. No yeah, one else you, allowed. You had, to be, you had to be on the end in order to, to get to those. Which, in medieval times, doesn't seem like the average commoner would be able to enjoy their fair share of porn. Um, like I said, everyone was dying from the bubonic plagues. Shit was kind of happening. This is like, you know, 500 to 1500s. This is kind of the time frame we're at um, in the day and age of porn. Um, and it kind of stays relatively the same all the way up to the 1800s. So that's a lot of, that's like, you know, 200, 300 years of like the same stuff to where people were getting killed because they were writing porn. Things started getting more kind of, like I said, sadistic because people are dying left and right from plagues, wars, um, plagues, (laughs) the more kind of cultural aspects, depending on what uh, part of the world you live in, it's churches coming in religion coming to play like it it's about the same kind of thing 
for the next like 200, 200, 300 years, all the way up to the 1800s. And Stoney's going to give you uh, the next kind of portion of it uh, from the 1800s to the 1900s. A nice little piece of uh, history. So, Stoney, go ahead and uh, take that away, sir. In the 1800s, the idea of porn for porn's sake was being spread like wildfire, right? So everyone was just like, hey, this is a hot new thing. Uh, porn, porn, get your porn here. Porn, porn, porn. Yeah, pretty much. Like everyone was like, hey, I want porn. You have porn. Let's make porn. <laughs> and it was still a taboo. Um, but this is where we start kind of getting into the idea of like people writing more erotic novels where like, you know, things like that are more prevalent in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um. So the first full-length English language, and we're talking about actually English language, porn novel, was Memoirs of a Woman's Pleasure, Ooh. also known as Fanny Hill. Pussy Hill. Yeah, because this is English, and Fanny is a colloquial term also known for vagina. For people uh, who don't know. In British slang. So that, was, that wasn't published until like 1748. So it's still, um, like, right before the 1800s are started. So like I said, the 200 yeah. years of just kind of the same stuff. Yeah, and that's, like, you know, even then, for that time period, you still have religious persecution. Like, you have to do, everyone has to be, like, God-fearing and blah, 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 blah. Sex is only for babies. No one can have sex for fun. And if you did, you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, what actually happened, you just went on down to the whorehouse down the street and slept with a prostitute. And, yeah, that's just what people did back then. Despite the reserved public attitude towards sex at the time, uh, pornographic novels kind of held back. Um, I mean, basically, like, this, like, the Fanny Hill book, or, you know, Memoirs of a Woman's Pleasure, whichever way you want to look at it, basically they managed to cover topics like uh, being bisexual, voyeurism, group sex, masochism, and, you know, a bunch of other kind of... I guess nowadays commonplace sexual tropes. So voyeurism for the people that don't know is? Uh, it's being watched while you have sex. And it doesn't have to necessarily be in public either. Correct. It can just I, be, I know there's a bunch of different. It can just be the, the idea of being watched is enough for some people. Um, or, you know, you know, cucking, that's voyeurism. In a sense. Yes. In a sense it is because you're having someone watch someone have sex. Um, for their enjoyment. Uh, anyway, so by the late 1800s, uh, an anonymous author was writing about sex that would make even the modern day person squirm. And as the world continued to advance, technology also continued, um, which in turn meant the porn that the porn also got better. Technology is honestly what we have to think for porn even existing on the level it does today. In 1839, Louis Daguerre, 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 Daguerre invented the Daguerreotype, a primitive form of photography. Can't pronounce that. Not even going to try. <laughs> D A G. Um, so yeah, D A G U E R E O type. But see, I don't know. I don't know what you know what person this guy is how so, to make the pronunciation yeah, i don't right. know how yeah. pronounced. some of this stuff is quite hard so we're just doing our best guys okay give us an a for effort at least <laughs> and once 
once uh for once pornographers pornographers por- <laughs> pornographers <laughs> once, once pornographers got a hold of the new technology that this guy was doing well the rest is history the earliest surviving daguerreotype dated in 1846 is depicting as a rather solemn man gingerly inserting <laughs> his penis into the vagina of an equally solemn middle-aged woman so you've got a man daintily putting his penis inside a very solemn woman her vagina <laughs> so hot <laughs> so hot so hot and the fact that they it, it described as solemn it's probably what makes me laugh the most. Yeah, there's nothing. Nothing just gets me rock hard like a <laughs> like a downtrodden, just beaten to life person having sex. 1840s porn. I'm sure that that was talk of the town when someone discovered that. Yeah, they were like, "Hey, have you seen Mary Ann and George Junior over there? It's the best why, porn why I've seen ever." You choose the okay. weirdest names. Okay, 1840s names. What would you say? I don't know, probably like Ernest <laughs> and like I don't know Matilda. It's give, it's <laughs> like, you're, you give like Joe Bob, Sue Jane. You give these weird ass names. No, they would have had really really classy names for Reginald, the Reginald, and this is uh, Sir Reginald Ophelia Haversham. And Ophelia took the most and solemn Ophelia. porn I've ever seen in my life. It was yeah. so solemnly, and she, he just gingerly really inserted his penis. It was ever he so gingerly. 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 <laughs> I don't know how you gingerly handle yeah. a penis, but... I'll show you a gingerly handled penis. Oh, boy. Hey, yo. So these photos were taken, were being taken everywhere, and they weren't available to everyone. It wasn't until the 1860s that photography became more commercial, with the invention of halftone printing popularized in the 1890s, increased the quality of mass-produced images and greatly decreased the cost, eventually leading to the creation of pornographic magazines. Woo-woo! So yeah. basically, as technology progressed, it became faster, cheaper, and better quality. Porn seemed to kind of, like, keep up with the times. Like, you know, when you have a good thing, obviously you're going to have something, quote-unquote, seedy, also being with it, able to keep up. So not and only was Reginald and Ophelia get that one porn photo, that person was able to make thousands of that yeah, same Yeah, they were able to mass photo. produce it. Which is insane. Like fucking 1800s porn. Fucking insane. Insane. Oh, uh, yes. Nothing like old-timey bicycles and <laughs> plain Jane missionary sex. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hey, I mean, the Romans, you see why I say ancient porn just sounded a little bit more yeah. exciting? Yeah, it, it does. Because, like, after, like, the, the fucking Dark Ages, everyone went back to, oh, we have to look each other in the eyes, otherwise babies don't happen, or some dumb <laughs> <friendly> bullshit. <laughs> yeah, white men. Sure. White men ruin everything. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, so, basically... Pornography was further revolutionized by the development of motion pictures or talkies. Could you imagine a fucking porn talkie? You see like this blank stare. Oh, yes. Give it to me, Charles. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. No. no. Gingerly Silent. insert that penis. Silent films. Yes, that's what, it, that's what a talkie is. I know. And then, then you just have the people in the audience ad-libbing for you. Oh, God, imagine a silent movie theater pornographic house. Just wait. Keep reading. Keep reading. 
Some of the very first films dating back to the 1880s were pornographic in nature, and one of the first things someone ever recorded in a motion picture that survived were naked people doing ordinary things, but no doubt racy for the time. Ooh, I'm walking up a step. Naked. Naked, yeah. The, like a the, SpongeBob one of the episode. Films, one of the films survived in a part from 1880 and shows a woman walking up and down the steps fully naked, then returning to strut as if on a catwalk. Ooh. So going up up the stairs, down the stairs, up the stairs, down the stairs, up the side of the stairs. Yeah, literally my, family guy me, reference. It makes me think of the makes me think of the SpongeBob episode where it's like doing this at night. At night. <laughs> doing this in the nude. Yeah, so normal things were considered pornographic as well, which uh, today's sense technically wouldn't be considered pornographic. It would just be considered nude art. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of a lot of the early porn was definitely nude art. I mean, yeah, there was depictions of fucking and stuff like that, but those were mostly like images and or crude drawings. There's still tons of uh, footage too. If you guys do want to look up uh, late eighteen. 90s early 1900s uh not porn but if you look up 1900s nudity a lot of it is like sitting in the park on a blanket with just boobs out and there's nothing well, yeah i mean that's reading a book like for, for it's ever. crazy i mean you can it's look at like art too Renaissance yeah paintings yep. and stuff and they like uh honestly one of one of my favorite uh paintings is from an artist named hieronymus bosch nice um, I have to her on mus. <laughs> He's got to look it up, but it is it is fascinating it's, that he was a well, he was kind of a madman, honestly. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, in the the 1500s, he painted this massive, and I mean absolutely massive. Like we're talking, like it's it's a ma- it's like multiple panels, and it's called uh, the Garden of Earthly Pleasures. If you guys want to Google delights. it. The Garden of Earthly Delights. Um, Can't show it, but if you guys want to Google it, feel free. Uh, you might be able to get away with showing it because it's not. It doesn't show like. Uh, well, actually, never mind. I like yeah, it. even if it shows nipple, like uh, some of these, some of these, like I could show, I could grab the footage. Well, there's people. it's it's a lot of it's a lot of nudity, and then I think yeah, about it, it, there's definitely some. We some have to also happen. not only are you guys listening to this on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts or Amazon M- M- Podcasts or wherever the fuck Amazon you guys listen music. to. <laughs> wherever you guys stop <laughs> wherever you guys listen to your podcast this is also goes on youtube as well so like youtube is so fucking strict especially now in 2023 they are like everything is big no-nos so like even if we're talking about a historical topic there's still like art has to be censored on a lot of the pages now or they gets demonetized but yeah go look shit, it up it's so. painting from it's what's like it called the, again it's called the garden of earthly delights by hieronymus bosch perfect Perfect. And it's, yeah, if you uh, want to look up the, yeah. the nude nineteen early nineteen hundreds films, they're they're quite nice. Like they are very well quite done. Nice. No, I mean not saying like nice isn't like hey horny nice. It's it's like it's very beautiful because it's like I said a lot of this art before modern day porn is it, it's just very pretty because it yeah, wasn't meant think- to be you know masturbated to in a well, sense. Yeah, as and well. you got to think about that. Like I mean, aside from like prostitutes or having sex in marriage 
Well, we say sex so workers because prostitutes is such a derogatory term. But technically, well, I mean, back that's, in that that's time, what that it was, was. That's, um, that's women of the called. night. Women of the night. I mean, like people in whorehouses. Things, brothels. things. Yeah, things. I didn't include in this episode, really, in the 1800s or the 1900s. I didn't include any of the like madams or the wild west brothels and things because i eventually want to do down the road a whole episode on that so i kind of kind of if you guys are wondering like where's the western shit in this i i very much left it out because we were going to do an episode down the road on um madams and brothels and uh western women and stuff like that yeah and i mean they're they're like for porn's sake like the closest thing you had to it was either you could go to something like that um you could get married because everyone was you know afraid to like just have sex because they thought it would kill them um mm-hmm. or you could go to like i guess i fuck i don't know i don't even know where you would go a burlesque show maybe in a sense yeah we'll, we'll get I mean, to that because, we'll get like to that. yeah stripping that's a whole different thing that comes on later um in terms of it being like as what it is today mm-hmm. but like even then um like it wasn't until like the 1920s when people started actually like making porn films or starting to record people having sex, you know, having orgies, threesomes, like actual homosexual, like recordings and stuff. Like it It, was a long time. It took 40 years from the walking down the stairs naked to actually getting porn on film that we would consider porn today, basically. Yeah. Yep. So. By 1896, filmmakers in France were delving into the erotic with short, silent clips like Le Crochet de la Marie. Ooh, that sounds cool. I want to go see that. One ticket, please. <laughs> Le Couture de la Marie. <laughs> One ticket. In which an actress performed a striptease. Ooh. Ooh. Um, but, you know, hardcore sex started showing up after the 1900s. Um, the recipe seems simple enough. People had bodies, people had cameras, people like having sex. So it's no surprise that all these elements eventually came together to make the pornographic movies we know today. Ooh, we love, we love. So we're about in the 1920s. And by the 1920s, stag films were commercially available for private viewing. Stag film, stag film, stag film, lads, lads, lads. <laughs> only, they were only available for private viewing only. Only private. These stag films were usually shown at all male gatherings. Lads, and... lads, 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 lads. <laughs> all right, Stoney. <clears throat> all male gatherings. Stag films. Hence, stag obviously. And they were honestly tamed by today's standards. We literally just talked about how walking up and and down stairs naked and like strip teasing. We're still there. We're not quite to the hardcore just yet. Quaint, but still, uh, most of these were very much real intercourse films. Uh, Don't forget that all stag films were silent films. So one had to use their imagination for the sounds or you would have the talkies that would act it out or there might be some sort of music playing as well. But I really could imagine sitting in a, uh, a theater with a bunch of men quietly listening or quietly watching 
a horny movie. Oh yeah, could you imagine like if if they the heavy have... breathing? Imagine if... if there was no sound, just heavy breathing. No, no, no. <laughs> Even if there was sound, it'd be like just shitty old timey like saloon piano. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ragtime playing while someone's getting fucked. And you're just like hearing zippers unzipping. Zippers were No, invented. it wouldn't be it wouldn't be zippers, be it would be buttons. Buttons being undone and just heavy breathing throughout the theater. Because remember, all male, so women didn't have anything uh at this time technically. Women weren't like, allowed to like things like yeah, that. Yeah, stupid. So from the nineteen twenties, the world would enter into another great war. And pornographic material would largely fall by the wayside and lie dormant for many decades. The softcore teases of famed movie actresses appearing on screen, scantily clad, was the best hint at pornography one could hope for. Unless, of course, you were a GI and saw the flashy USO shows in the United States military. Yeah, Bob Hope shows. So, for people that don't know, Stoney, what are the USO shows that were technically so... the war times? During wartime, the USO decided, "Hey, we need to we need to keep our troops boost morale. We need to keep them from you know thinking about home too much and keep their head in the fight and show them what they're fighting for back home." And this was what World War One, right? Uh, I mean, World War One and World War Two. I think there was right? some in World War One, but it wasn't. It was more prevalent in World War Two. Okay, okay. So this is a time. Um, this is a time period. So where in right? World War Two, they started like traveling around to different like combat areas where like they would bring like showgirls that would do like dances and like sometimes there would be like adult entertainment and there'd be like a burlesque show or something like that and then in the 90s like, in the 2000s it was wwe people uh yeah there was all kinds of stuff it, it, it progressed through the years but like when it first it started porn out, to wrestling when it first started out you got to think about it all the places they were going were male only for the majority yes. of it because most most female roles in the military back then were purely clerical or in some forms, like obviously you had nurses and stuff like that, but there wasn't a whole lot of women on the front lines back then. Mm -hmm. um, if ever. And I mean, there is some that, you know, there's, that's a whole different topic. Um, but yeah, so they would like show up and do their little shows or whatever. And it was to help the men out and, you know, kind of take their stuff like that stuff. Yeah. And yeah, they would just, they would travel around. But I mean, like the Bob Hope one specifically, I say, is because like they would also bring comedians and they still do that to this day. Mm -hmm. um, but he would do like his whole little thing, bring the girls but, out. Yeah. But mainly when it comes to the pornography girl, it was mainly like kind of burlesque, maybe some striptease, maybe little tassels. But it was nothing like, I'm going to spread my pussy for you. Here you go. Nothing. Yeah. Like and a lot of the stuff <laughs> that was, that like was even considered, you know, pornography and stuff like that was all made by the people. And it was also considered okay because it was for the troops anything back in the, like the world war ii area anything you did for the troops you were a it was great good job good for you good person doesn't matter what it is yes 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 they were so i showed my boobies on a battle cruiser yay thank you and they wouldn't call you a harlot and throw stones at you you know what i'm saying i mean they still probably did <clears throat> so during this period most pornography and peep shows mainly stayed underground and considered being taboo and for the demented demon-possessed individuals Remember, oh no! The whole church versus sex topic honestly could be a whole other episode, so we'll we'll digress on that topic because I'm sure we'll eventually get to that. So it wasn't until the 1960s did we kind of begin to see a resurgence um, in popularity of porn. 
Um, the 60s through the 70s really brought the sexual revolution. And with that, people did start doing porn again. Not only, you know, watching it, but people did want to participate more in it. So peep show booths um, also did evolve during the 70s, uh, which generated millions like millions of dollars in a constant stream in just a small change from the 60s a nickel to at 70s. a time. Fucking insane. So that being said, porn was still expensive. It was relatively hard to find and also very embarrassing to kind of get access to. But in the 1971, which is, this is a very kind of prominent um, historical fact. If you guys are not paying attention to anything else, pay attention to this part. In 1971, the very first gay porno film was made entitled Boys in the Sand, and it starred Casey Donovan, and, the, and it had an enormous impact on the LGBTQ plus rights. Um, this film was like, if you haven't seen it, feel free to watch it, but it really did make uh, gay people be seen. It was very, very, very important in the 70s. Um, everything was so fucking underground. I mean, it still was very frowned upon, but... It made you feel seen. The 1970s technically were pornography's big bang, and it brought a once very hidden practice into the light for everyday consumers. Both homosexuality and porn had been largely marginalized in the Western world since the decline of the Roman Empire in the Christian Middle Ages. And now it was back with a vengeance. Along with color film, pornography could now portray the reddish blush on an actor's face during orgasm. The color of detail on the human body became a complete game changer. So not only were we watching porn completely silent, completely in black and white, all of a sudden, porn is back and better than ever in the 70s. This is why I fucking love the 70s. It's a shit. You are getting to watch more detailed porn made with stories, and you are getting to see the color of everything on said people's bodies, which is, is, is so fascinating to me. So, however, not all was peachy keen during this time. The 1970s communicated the message that being gay was here to stay, and even if it was not widely viewed at first, it nudged over the exclusively heterosexual pornography to make way for the LGBTQ community with its own very first full-length film. And the conditional free love for some of the 1960s was on its way to becoming an indiscriminate free love for all. So we're hitting the time period in history where the 60s and 70s are coming in with a fucking just bang. They are ready to bang. They don't care who cares. Everyone can bang. You can bang. We can bang. We all bang together. It's kind of coming back into like, you know, would you say like ancient times in a way. It's still frowned upon, but people want to fuck and that's okay, you know? Yeah, and uh, something else, um, just to give you an idea like where porn was at at that time um a year after uh that film came out uh another really big film specifically with the porn genre came out also um called Deep Throat yes and that movie was one of the first times ever that like to a mass public well originally what was supposed to be a mass public showing mm -hmm. um was actual full length like hardcore porn and it, you know throat. it it caused a whole lot of stuff like there was like talks about it in congress like this whole thing oh yeah that was and something it's else. actually it's um... actually one of the things that led to um how they started rating movies and censorship, like yeah. First, so first, what? Like not rated because it was an adult movie. 
so what I left out during um, also the kind of history of pornography, I left out the uh, the outlawed and kind of the censorship detail because there was so there's so many different like from the beginning of time, like even just from like, let's say the 20s to the fucking now, there was so many court cases with censorship, child pornography, all that stuff. And I didn't include that because one, that's so fucking obvious. Um, obviously during this time when porn's been created, it's supposed to be for a certain type of people. It's not meant for children. It needs to be censorship because it's not, you know, like I said, no kids should not just be able to go watch porn like that. Um, kids should not be in porn, nothing like that. And I didn't want to include it in too much and talk about it. But yeah, Stoney is right after Deep Throat came out. That's kind of when our censorship and ratings for movies came. And then after that, especially during the 80s and stuff, I left this part out. But like I said, there's so many fucking court cases about certain porns being outlawed for good reasons. Like I said, child porn, bestiality, bullshit like that shouldn't be allowed. But it became to where it was very religion over sex again so like i didn't want to go into a whole deep dive on that it was kind of like eh, it's kind of common sense um and that aspect but yeah deep deep threat was very well the reason why uh ratings exist today yeah it's it, uh, there's it, that movie had a lot of impact onto porn and stuff like that Moving on from that, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the 80s and 90s pre-internet era of pornography. A massive outbreak in the world of porn during the 1970s and 80s, which only saw the practice of producing porn, gained steam. And thanks to technological, technological advances, a broader audience. Numerous publications printed advertisements for pornographic pictures and movies, and people began to have pornography shipped to their homes. Um, or more likely, a P.O. box rented with a fake name because people were so afraid to have their name tied to it because Which, there was also, at the time, there was no... There uh, there wasn't really a let's be discreet about what we're sending. Yeah, it would have a giant cover of it. Uh, yeah. The cover would be raunchy. Or, like I said earlier, where it, not only was porn being readily available, it was also embarrassing. People, yeah, you, you could were, find some out, find out somebody was gay immediately. If yeah, they had like, it was so everyone wanted to be back to the authors, you know, kind of in the authors and the Middle Ages, everything being anonymous. Yeah, and it's like at that time, like you kind of had to go through a lot of steps to even get access to having a porn, let alone purchasing it. So an even bigger change occurred when VCRs hit the market, which. You know, VCRs, VCRs led to having VHS tapes and so on and so forth. And the VCR was invented in the late 1950s by Charles Ginsburg. However, it was only meant to record the TV and the VHS tapes weren't even invented yet. And it definitely wasn't ready to the average customer. Suddenly, people could purchase or rent pornographic videos and view them in the privacy of their own homes. Almost simultaneously, cable television arrived, presenting softcore porn late night. Ooh! Oh yeah, some Skinamax and all those, <laughs> all those kind of channels, which saw the rise of porn stars, actors and actresses that became household names amongst the top Hollywood stars of the time. This caused porn to have an impactful influence on the real world, especially up through the 1980s and 1990s. 
and that was once considered novel or unusual sex practices, began to become staples in your everyday home. Well, you're having Tammy and Richard having sex normally missionary, and then they pop in, you know... Backdoor so, Horrors 9. Yeah, or Backdoor's Horrors 1, technically, or 2. And they pop that in their VHS, and they're touching each other, and you're watching porn together with your significant other, and all of a sudden, Doggy gets on the fucking screen, and you're like, holy shit, let's try that position. And Richard has always tried that position from now on. So, like, things that... Uh, we have tons of positions. I mean, the Commerce Sutra was in, uh, invented back in ancient times as well in India, and that practically gave a guidebook of positions in sex. So not only was that not really like it was readily active, sure, people could read a book and see things, but this was like in real time on film. People were doing these wild positions that porn stars were doing, but now they can do it in their home because they're showing how it's done, you know? Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of like you got to think about it. Like sex was not necessarily something that was taught for pleasure. No. And so nobody knew, like, hey, if you do it like this, blah, 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 blah. Everyone was just doing it the, the good old default way. <laughs> Eventually, things started to get weirder. Uh, at first, fusing occasionally with the normal sex scene, but then the consumerist tendencies driven by sales revenue took over. And porn production became a race to find the biggest star and have the actors and actresses portray the most extreme sex scenes. Anal sex was no longer an occasional outlier. It became the main course in many porns. Double penetration eventually became a staple when anal sex wasn't enough to satiate the market demand for originality. We, f we needed more porn and we wanted the exact kinds for each individual uh, niche. So this is uh, where pornography starts exploding. And during this time, actors, producers, and studios... And even just the writers were getting so overwhelmed and could not keep up. Porn was everywhere, and that porn was absolutely needed. And imagining all of this before the internet even existed. So it's, to me, I'm trying to wrap my brain around that too, is like, I mean, like, we grew up in the internet era or post-internet, you know? So I couldn't imagine some people with ec extreme uh, fetishes having to get their their needs met and oh, they yeah. can't because you know dale over there already bought the already rented the copy of you know feet fetish and you have to wait for dale to bring that feet fetish video back you know what i mean yep. kind of like block, kind of like blockbuster in a way you have to wait for the main titles to come back so oh yeah that was a whole thing crazy uh, there used to be the back room in porn mm -hmm. in video stores yep so all of this was even before the internet and today you are absolutely able to search exactly what you want and millions of videos will pop up in a mere of seconds the demand pre-internet was truly limited to what was readily available on shelves in the back rooms and shown on the tv or what you could read so most relied once again on the one thing we all have a human brain full of imagination um, that's technically what all you could get. That's it. What was in your brain, what was available to rent, what you could find, because there wasn't a thing for everybody. No one was sounding. People were sounding, but sounding wasn't popular. So trying to find a sounding video, probably pretty bad. 
pretty hard to find, you know? That, that's my example of sounding is like, that's a really small niche of porn. And that's a very, very, very specific thing of porn. I could not imagine how hard that would be. It'd be, you know, basically one in seven billion to be able to find, correct? Like trying to yeah, find you, that in, in a back room. So technically people's kinks and fetishes in a sense were kind of molded around what was available during porn in a sense yeah like, you, just you had could to watch make and get you. off to yeah or like i said you have your human brain and you use your imaginations and maybe watch a porn and just imagine that that's something else instead like it's 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 insane how like i like i said earlier it's going from cave drawings sculptures ancient romans doodling on things trading with the world the world finding out we're doing that to middle ages middle age erotica being written anonymous authors getting killed kinks getting developed more porn getting more raunchy and then all of a sudden we have photos photos being taken but not like we are today and then magically from photos we have film and go from black and white silent film to kick-ass you know detailed not super detailed but like somewhat detailed in color 70s porn um which is kind of where we'll end uh this part of the episode of just part one of pornography uh we did cover ancient times all the way to just the early 90s um next week we'll get into uh uh, another a lot more uh, detailed versions of things and um, everything else but yeah I think I think that's where we'll stop for for today we talked about so much so much porn so much porn today but if, if you had to pick a favorite type of porn from just this little area and eras uh, what would pro what was probably the, the most kind of fascinating one that you, you learned today Stoney uh probably like the early stuff because i think it's it's just well, wild to see how everything so, you no mean like i mean like porn? Uh, yeah ancient porn i really i really did like the uh the sex festivals like the, the celebratory aspect of my i think my favorite part on, on this section was how they made religion and the sex festivals together like it was like this is how we get closer to our gods. Does that make like that? I find that fascinating because today's is it's so opposite. It's like a whole one eighty. I agree. But I, I I couldn't imagine sitting in a silent theater. Like no, I've been to, no I've been to silent films before, and I've been to silent films where there's no nothing playing, no music, and I've been to silent films where there's music playing. But I could not imagine watching a silent film in a theater full of other men, and it's just porn. You know what I mean? Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do that either. Um, could, I don't. I don't think. Could you get hard at all? Couldn't even. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> be weird watching just watching a porn in awkward silence with other people. That or nineteen twenties music is like. <laughs> or the talkies. That would. That, I think that'd be even worse. Honestly. But, uh, yeah, I think we talked enough about uh, porn for this episode. Stay tuned for uh, part two. It will be coming out, and uh, you will learn a bunch more. Uh, do apologize for us pronouncing things uh, entirely wrong and not knowing how to read because we are so stupid. 
but I wanted to thank our sources once again. Uh, the Oxford Dictionary, got to think of dictionary, obviously. Uh, PBS Frontline, you can find uh, articles on pornography there. There's like four or five, and there's also uh, an article uh, about all of the specific court cases that outlaw porn. Like I said, I did not include that because there's like so fucking many. Um, but the the main one I really did enjoy was Medium Sexography, The History of Pornography by Joe Duncan. Go please check that out on the article. It's very well detailed. Uh, we did a lot of it in this episode, but it's it's more detailed over there. Um, live Science Pornography also was a big source. And then Psychology Today um, is also a big source. Yeah, those are our sources if you guys want to uh, check more out or read more about um, certain eras of porn we covered in today's topic. But uh, other than that, Stoney, do you have this week's secret passcode for our pornography part one? <laughs> uh, maybe the no symbol. You know, the, 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 the nose, circle, the no, like the circle <laughs> with the red slash through it, like not allowed. Yeah, yeah I thought you said the nose. I was like, what? <laughs> All right. The uh, the. No symbol, the like, yeah, circle with the slash through it. That'll be this week's secret pass code for the code. For, code for the forbidden porn. Um, Yeah, that would be really, really, really great. If you guys uh, leave down in the comments or you send it to us, we like in reading those and enjoying when you guys do figure out the passcodes because I think they're fun. They're a fun little thing. And hopefully in the future when we do release merch or anything like that, it'll be your little discount code. And only if you get the code will you know it. Um, but Stony, where can we find you? Find me everywhere at Stony Robbins underscore. Hell yeah. And you guys can find me. At uh, ConwayTitty.com. That is ConwayTitty.com. It's where you can find uh, all my socials. Uh, join the Discord if you want. Uh, come hang out on Twitch and watch me and Stony game it up. Um, also, you can find my pornography on that as well. <laughs> Speaking of. Um, but other than that, I really do appreciate you guys sticking with us and enjoying uh, learning some facts about uh, porn if you have any other really cool things about ancient porn or you have some like wicked cool pictures you found of like some ancient pottery or anything like that feel free to send it to us in the dms that would be really cool do not send us your dick i don't want modern day pornography fuck you guys no send me like like if you find anything interesting uh like even if you like ancient dildos i know ancient dildos is such a big thing i didn't include it in this uh episode either because it's just mainly about pornography not sex toys but maybe down the road we can do a whole episode on ancient sex toys. I think that would be really fun. Um, but other than that, thank you guys so much for uh, listening, wherever you listen, letting us penetrate your ear holes. Um, stay tuned for next week's episode. But uh, thank you so much. I'm your host, Conway Titty. I'm Stony Robbins. And we will see you guys next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>